Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. Insurers warn that a CMS proposal will cause confusion. A new study highlights the costs of chronic conditions in Medicaid, and a leading diabetes group calls for the FDA to approve drugs and devices on factors beyond A1C. Welcome to This Week in Managed Care. I'm Laura Jost. Letting states define essential health benefits sounds good, but it will confuse consumers and weaken health insurance markets. That's what leading insurers told CMS in comments on a plan the agency has proposed for 2019. Anthem, Centene, Molina, Kaiser Permanente, and the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association all predicted problems with the CMS proposal, which would let states build their own benchmark plans as an alternative to the 10 essential health benefits under the Affordable Care Act. States can adopt another state's 2017 benchmark plan, pick and choose elements of another state's benchmark plan, build a new benchmark plan based on a typical employer plan. Kaiser Permanente said that employer plans are often tailored to specific populations. Aetna, which generally supports the CMS plan, said allowing states to change benchmark plans every year would create unpredictability and instability. For more, visit AJMC.com. As the Medicaid population grows, tracking the program's spending starts with understanding how chronic conditions drive up costs. A new review in the American Journal of Preventive Medicine looked at studies published between 2000 and 2016 to examine the prevalence and costs of chronic conditions in Medicaid. The review found that 55.7% to 62.1% of Medicaid recipients between the ages of 18 and 64 had at least one chronic condition, and that up to one-fourth of those studied had hypertension and hyperlipidemia. Other common conditions were depression, asthma, diabetes, and heart disease, and 9.5% of those in Medicaid had cancer. The authors wrote, As the Medicaid population continues to change, it is increasingly important to understand the major health burdens this population faces and the associated medical costs, which is important for informing future program design and developing health promotion programs to contain or reduce the public health burden and healthcare costs. When FDA approves drugs and devices for people with diabetes, it looks at changes in the average A1C level, a measure that represents a three-month average of blood glucose. While useful, people living with diabetes say it fails to capture important challenges of living with the disease, especially how often a person experiences hypoglycemia. Now, a two-year effort by leading diabetes groups has led to a consensus statement published in Diabetes Care, which calls on FDA to consider measures beyond A1C when evaluating new drugs and devices for people with type 1 diabetes. The article called on regulators to pay special attention to the following. Hypoglycemia, including how often a person's blood sugar falls below both 70 milligrams per deciliter and below the more dangerous level of 54 milligrams per deciliter. Time and range, which refers to how many hours per day a person stays out of hypo and hyperglycemia. And diabetic ketoacidosis, a dangerous condition in which the body produces excess blood acids or ketones. The effort led by JDRF could ultimately lead to information about hypoglycemia or time and range being added to drug or device labels. 
Novo Nordisk, one of the world's leading insulin manufacturers, has highlighted fewer hypoglycemia events in recent studies. Dr. Todd Hobbs, Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Novo Nordisk, told AGMC that while a change in FDA standards is still a long way off, the consensus report is promising. For years, products got approval on one thing, and that was A1C lowering alone. Uh, and so therefore, the diabetes companies, such as Novo Nordisk, you design your clinical programs to focus on A1C reduction. And just recently, in the last several years, have the discussions allowed uh, both in the data, but also with the FDA and other groups to talk beyond A1C. So this article, in particular, hypoglycemia risk in diabetes therapies, as well as time and range, DKA, other things, hopefully are going to allow the FDA to now agree that these are important endpoints that should be considering for in, in the label to describe how this medication works, what are the benefits, what are the risks, et cetera. And we know patients and providers need more than just A1C lowering. They wanna know, for instance, patient reported outcomes, which are a part of this article that are clearly not part of the, of the labeling process. How does that fit into their treatment decision with the patient? Hypoglycemia risk certainly should be a major component of any diabetes therapy decision between the patient and physician. But if it's not in the label, is it gonna be well known what the true risk of hypoglycemia is? So we're hopeful, and we've been working with JDRF and other groups that are involved in this publication to continue this awareness, if you will, and also importance of those outcomes beyond A1C. For more, visit AJMC.com. Some cancers are due to genetic factors, but many occur due to risk factors that people can change, according to a new study in the journal CA, which is published by the American Cancer Society. About 42% of all new U.S. cancer cases in 2014 were due to potentially modifiable exposures, such as alcohol use or being overweight. The study was based on three leading cancer reports, including one from the American Institute for Cancer Research, which looked at 26 different cancer types in adults aged 30 and older. Leading risk factors included smoking, ultraviolet radiation, low fiber intake, eating red or processed meat, lack of physical activity, human papillomavirus, and alcohol intake. For more, visit AJMC.com. Finally, a study in the current issue of the American Journal of Managed Care finds that prescription drug spending among young adults rose in the early years of the Affordable Care Act. However, most of the benefit went to 19 to 25-year-olds in middle-class households, where drug spending went up more than 11% in 2011 to 2013. Drug spending actually declined in this age group in households earning below 200% of the federal poverty level. The provision of the ACA that allows young adults to stay on family health plans until age 26 is highly popular, and it is one of the few elements that is expected to remain no matter what happens to the rest of the law. For the full study, visit AJMC.com. For all of us at the Managed Markets News Network, I'm Laura Jost. Thanks for joining us. And to learn more about any of the stories in this podcast, visit the website at AJMC.com or see the show notes.